0: Hey everyone, welcome back. It's December 11th, 2023. We're almost done with this fine year and you are watching or listening to the uh, Breakpoint Show. My name's Chris Woodruff. I am the, if, if this was a sports uh, event, I would be the color commentator and my two experts in terms of software development are with me. I've got Martin and Cleed. Cleed, I never can pronounce your last name so I never try to. That's why I don't <laughs> say Martin's last name. But uh so I I just just know that that's why I just say first names around here. Uh but you know we're winding down the year. We're going to have two more episodes. Uh one more episode after this for this year and then we're going to really come back in 2024. Very strong. So we would love to get new ideas and what people want us to talk about in 2024. So please, if you're on YouTube, comment down below, subscribe, uh, send us emails. We have ways to get a hold of us from our website, which is uh, breakpointshow.dev. And, you know, I'm going to kick off uh, the topic. So we're gonna be looking at all two developer surveys that uh, I think are really insightful for this year. One is the JetBrains developer uh, survey. And the other one is the developer survey from Stack Overflow. And I think they both look really good. There's a lot of good information in them. So I'm just gonna be asking our two experts what they think about Certain aspects of those surveys, and maybe I'll put fill in some funny banter to uh, to make everyone laugh. Uh, But the the first thing is uh, now this disclaimer: to the two experts do work at JetBrains, so so. uh, But I think I think JetBrains has one of the better surveys, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. Uh, And we'll put all the links in the show notes so you can see for yourself these surveys. But uh, there was a question there, which ASP.NET core technologies do you use? And uh, it is interesting that Blazor, that the Blazor stuff minimal API are like 20% or less. Can you guys, I mean, mm-hmm. what, what do you guys think about that? Those, those insight into how people use net?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> I guess to clarify for folks too, like the JetBrains developer ecosystem survey, um, asked about 30,000 JetBrains, uh, customers, uh, I guess they can also be non-Jetbrains customers, just developers. Yeah, in exactly. So about 30,000 people responded. Uh, not all of them obviously are doing .NET. We support a slew of other ecosystems. Uh, primarily Java is kind of our big uh, pond there. Right, Martin? Right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just so that people understand like how many folks uh, asked. I will also say that all this information is publicly available. So if you want to use it in any of your content, uh, look at the numbers, maybe look at it differently. All this information is available. But uh, Chris, to your point, uh, I'm looking at the question, which ASP.NET Core technologies do you use? Um, funny enough, Web API is at 78%. Uh, MVC is 64 Razor Pages comes in at 40%. Uh, we joked last time, Chris, that we're going to start a drinking game that every time I mention Razor Pages.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. No. All right. Here we go. All right. Start drinking, folks. But it's interesting. I yeah. mean, it really is. A, it shows you kind of there's two sides of .NET. There's the side that is pushed and there's okay. the side that is honestly used in production
1: oh that's that's spicy the way you phrase that but uh, <laughs> well, i I, I have more heard. spice to add even truth but heard. but i i will say like i think the mvc pattern is clearly something that's been adopted across ecosystems so whether you love it or you hate it um it's something that's familiar to folks coming into.net or maybe folks going out of.net to go to things like Ruby on Rails or Django or um, even so today, there's a Rust uh, library called Loco, which adopts kind of the Ruby on Rails pattern. So MVC is really familiar. Uh, I think the minimal API approach is very similar to Node. So but I don't really see a lot of people moving out of the JavaScript ecosystem anytime soon. So that could explain why those numbers are so low,
2: but. I think that is indeed a good explanation for those numbers because you will see that uh, things like web API and so on are very prominent in enterprise environments. Mm -hmm. And typically when it's like a small team or a small organization, you will see people start to work with MVC or Razor Pages and so on to build their front ends. I do think that Blazor Server and WebAssembly also play a role there, but in the bigger organizations, what you'll typically see is that you have a front-end team using React or Vue or Angular or things like that. Whereas the back-end team is working, for example, with with.NET and SQL Server or Oracle or some of the bigger databases to provide the back-end services for that front end.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where you see web API because mm-hmm. I mean, it's been it's been around for longer and there's there's more skills. In that, so so when I said there's there's stuff that's being pushed and there's stuff being used, do we need? I I think, like I, like minimal API. And to be honest, if you take a look at the performance numbers compared to web API, minimal API compa- compare it to Node. I mean, it is so much more proficient. Like. Faster, less resources. That someone in in the JavaScript kind of area should look at AP building APIs in .NET now because it is so much faster uh, than than Node, and it's almost getting to the point where .NET APIs can be developed almost as fast as Rust. So you're looking at like .NET compared to a like close to the metal type of type of language like C++ and, and rust, which is kind of surprising
1: yeah I guess I guess to me uh, I've been thinking about what you just said um, and I think it's important to think about performance, right like our our community always said performance is a feature to some degree, right But I also think hyper focusing on performance, does a disservice to kind of the software development process as a whole because the thing that other ecosystems might do a little better is like um you know having more ideas having more approaches to solving problems um being faster to deliver those solutions right like um, we're like .NET is just getting around to really optimizing for things like containerization. Yeah. Um, like in .NET 8, whereas yeah. other ecosystems have like like baked that in. Yeah. Uh, package management was basically new when other ecosystems had it. So like .NET sometimes trails in the idea territory. So when in you're talking about speed... Yeah. Yeah. We need to also talk about like speed to market and .NET hasn't always been at the forefront. Uh, t- tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me in no, the comments. No, you're,
0: you're not <laughs> wrong, Martin. What do you think?
1: No, I uh, I, 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 I think, think it is
2: true. I, I think it's true, but I still think that, I mean, like you say, there is this push towards Blazor server and WebAssembly and so on. Uh, and I do think it will see adoption, but uh, the question becomes... If the paradigm of, of moving your application from say MVC to Razor WebAssembly or Blazor WebAssembly and Blazor server, if you have to move to that paradigm and that technology stack, maybe companies might also be reevaluating things into using one of the more mature currently uh, frameworks that already exist and have existed for a long time. Like again, like react and, and view and angular and so on.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah
2: so I'm I'm curious to see where this goes and this is definitely a question that I want to see the answer to next year as well to see yeah. how it evolves
0: well and performance is just one facet of the 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 entire architecture because mm-hmm. I, I do think that that what we're really talking about is more on the architecture level because you have to look at price and performance and ease of use and skill set when you're looking at solutions for your organizations there's there's many more things beyond just the technology sometimes Mm -hmm. and you do have to look at everything so you're right if if i have something that is 10 times faster to the for the end user but is a hundred times slower to the developer it's not really advantageous to uh to use that technology to to build out solutions uh but i do think dot net is catching up uh net what is it uh aspire which i'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that name but that's that <clears throat> doesn't take a take away from what that what do you project mean is. good
2: old good old ASP-ire.
0: Aspire. <laughs> yeah, asp aspire yeah Aspire. yeah but I, I do think that that's starting down a good road. I hope someone, the the problem is it's closed source. So, so I wish they would have open sourced it so then someone could kind of bring in, build it out for, for AWS. But I see why Microsoft doesn't because they're trying to maximize Azure. But I, I do wish that someone would build something like that for for the uh, AWS side maybe maybe amazon is looking at that or maybe amazon and jetbrains are looking at something like that who knows so so interesting
2: thing there by the way um, aspire is mostly open source since the release of .NET 8 oh, so before that it it seems to have been developed uh Closed source or with a, with a smaller group, but it is now open.
0: It is. Oh, and the awesome. components
2: that were released are all uh, focused towards Azure, but I've seen issues on the AWS GitHub and so on that they're actively looking into it and seeing if they can add components as
0: well. Oh, yeah. nice, nice. Well, that is that is really good because it would be nice. And it would be nice to 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 figure out a way truly to build out solutions that were multi-cloud uh, cause I, I think locking into one cloud for large organizations is sometimes a hindrance, uh, and going multi-cloud can, can really be, uh, a positive when mm-hmm. potentially when you have outages and stuff like that. But, uh, so we have that, uh, can,
1: so, so since we talked about blazer adoption, maybe we should scroll up the page. There's an interesting question, which Uh, which runtimes do uh, .NET users regularly use? Mm -hmm. And uh, in the 2023 column, this is the breakdown. So 38% of folks, remember this survey was done before .NET 8, so there's no .NET 8 in this uh, question. But uh, in 2023, 38% of respondents are using .NET 7, 38% are also using .NET 6. 10% Ten percent .NET five, but then here's the real kicker: forty five percent say they are still using some version of .NET framework, framework which is four point eight. Yeah. Um, and then eight uh, percent are using Mono. I assume those folks are still using Xamarin Forms or uh, Unity yeah. game developments.
0: So. Well, and we can't even assume it's four point eight for .NET framework. I mean, there mm-hmm. might be a lot of people that are still 4.6 3.5 3.5 I, I mean I, 1.1 I 1. 1. 1. <laughs> who knows I saw but.
1: a screen I saw a screenshot the other day somebody posted like a visual studio splash screen of like I forget it was like it was the old version of visual studio and I was uh I was thrown back in time it was like looking into a time machine <laughs> so
0: you know, I know people that have like VMs, they have like four or five different VMs on their machine because each one is a different and old environment for Visual Studio. Like mm-hmm. they'll have like like some old like Windows Vista with, with some like old version of Visual Studio and some some old version of .NET framework because they don't want everything on the same on the same uh, machine to kind of get crosswired and stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting out there. But yeah, I mean .NET framework is still a huge uh, yep. platform.
2: Well, to also to offer- one one interesting thing in that uh, in that chart that is on the website there is that it seems that around 2019 there was a big drop off towards .NET Core um, and and people jumping onto that and adopting that one, mm-hmm. but it does look like since 2021 maybe we are in the long tail of .NET framework not going away yet. So I have no idea where that is going. I also hope that uh, people are looking into migrating their software to a newer .NET version even though the .net framework is still supported but i will say as a .net developer it is valuable to jump ship and uh, jump onto the newer .net versions Well, oh, very
0: it, much
1: it's, it's it is interesting though like in the same breath of like why is blazor adoption not increasing you could ask why is .net framework stagnating around 40 45 50% and you could probably point back to the cost of doing a migration probably a lot for these orga- a lot for these organizations is just it's too costly right like yep. like whatever whatever your architecture or infrastructure investments have been or even team investments and build up have been to kind of retool your entire organization just to end up back at the same point you're currently at it might just be way too expensive for a lot of yeah. people. So, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah, we're in a we're in a kind of a a different economic area, economic space right now. With are we in a recession? Are we pre recession? So I can I can see a lot of organizations that are gun shy, spending that capital that they're they've been hoarding for since the pandemic uh to make sure that they they have enough money to uh to survive whatever is come where, wherever we're at or is coming down the coming down the road
1: mm-hmm. all right chris yeah. what's our next question let's get another one in there
0: yeah so so there's an interesting one which programming scripting or markup languages have you used in the last 12 months and so naturally JavaScript is at the top, Python, uh, but I am what languages do you see on this list mm-hmm. that you think are are bound for like bigger bigger and better uh growth for the future? Cause to to be honest, like C sharp is in is in the middle. It's like at twenty one percent and the problem is is that there's also this likely to adopt and it's kind of in the middle also of of the of the numbers. so is c sharp so two things what languages do you see in the future being uh, maybe something for people to look, look for, for new skills? And two is C-sharp. Do you think C-sharp has growth or do you think it's, it is uh, kind of a, a, a language that a certain niche of the, of the big community uh, uses?
1: Mm. Martin, you go first. I, I want to hear what Martin has to say.
2: It's it's a tough one. Like if you look at uh, the previous years in the same question, then it looks like C Sharp is starting to stagnate a little bit, or at least it has been stable for a while and uh, usage keeps going up and down a little bit, but not very noticeably. Um, so I have no idea how to answer that one. Um, I, would, I would love to say that C Sharp is growing, but apparently the numbers aren't. Uh, so maybe we should also look at the Stack Overflow survey and see what, what came out there and see if that's comparable as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. so so with, with that one, C Sharp is... Well, that's... I'm looking at...
1: Well, while you look at that, I guess I can maybe give my perspective. Um, like, clearly the top languages in programming, scripting, and markup languages, uh, which I think is on the languages section of our developer ecosystem. So if you folks want to go look at that, you can. Um, JavaScript is high just because I think most people are working in the web stack. So I understand like JavaScript is going to be pretty high. That's clear because HTML is coming in in the third spot, HTML and CSS, which For me personally, the web platform is doing some amazing things, so I can see why those two are are top there. Data science is really high, so I think Python will continue to see a lot of success uh, in the upcoming uh, years, just because data science, AI, stuff like that. SQL coming in as well at 52%. To do data science, you need to understand how how to group data, so that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. So the one I I yeah. put out in our little Slack chat, uh, uh, the one I'm looking at and on Stack Overflow, and I like the Stack Overflow because it has two numbers for each language. It has the desire the has kind of desired and admired. So it has kind of like, what do you, you use and what would you like to use or which languages do you like? really have a high aspect for
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like rust is way out there like in and it's surprising because rust is kind of down in the in the jet brains towards the bottom but in in the stack overflow it's in the top 10 mm-hmm. in terms of desired and admired and so it's sitting at like 30 Percent desired, which to me sounds like it's where it's being used, or but then it it's at this all time high, like eighty five percent admired. So, and if I take a look at the same thing, C sharp is right after Rust, so it has a desired of twenty one percent and a admired of sixty three percent, which is still very good. So, so. I, I kind of see, and let's just say Stack Overflow, Khalid looked it up, Stack Overflow had three times as many mm-hmm. respondents uh, yep. than the JetBrains. Yep. And so uh, maybe the numbers are a little different because of just having three times as many uh, uh, survey I, I
1: will I will also say like the Stack Overflow is like developers across tooling uh and yeah. ecosystems and chains. The JetBrains one is still like statistically significant, but it may skew more towards kind of the tools that JetBrains offers. So yeah. I think at the time that this survey was out, we hadn't released Rust Rover just yet, which is kind of like our Rust IDE. So yeah. that might explain why there's less rust enthusiasts answering the survey but that's conjecture on my part yeah of. yeah well yeah I,
2: what one one interesting thing that i found is in the most popular technology section of the stack overflow survey there is a nice uh, breakup of the responses in terms of programming languages between uh, professional developers and learning to codes i have no idea where the, the the line between those lies but if you look at learning to code for example You will see the typical languages that you find lots of tutorials online, like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, Python, and so on. Mm -hmm. But also the typical languages that at least here in Europe are given in universities and so on. So like Java, C++, and C, and so on. Um, And you will see a big difference between that and professional developers where uh, JavaScript is clearly winning out. Python and so on is also in the top. Uh, But then you also see that C sharp is getting higher in that list uh, for professional developers. So I wonder um, if in .NET, at least, we have the issue that not a lot of developers are learning c in school anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And people who are self-taught, for example, don't think of c as a language they want to learn. Whereas in professional environments, people are still using it anyway because their entire stack is built on c or one of the other languages that are higher up in that list. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but C sharp is still top. It's still top ten in both lists, so it yeah. still has a strong presence. But like, can yeah. I, can yeah, I give a ahead.
1: can I give a hot take? Sure. Like, I do feel sometimes we fetishize the language and like syntax and like, oh, look how pretty or look how terse this language is. But I think for a lot of people. And this is my opinion, this isn't backed by science. We don't do science, I don't do science. I just gut, take from the gut people. But um, I think a lot of times we fetishize the languages, but you need to look at around like, what are what are people aiming to do with that language? So like back to the Stack Overflow, Stack Overflow survey, where there's like C++ is high on the learning to code uh, section I would guess a lot of people are learning C++. I did air quotes, by the way, for folks listening. Learning C++, not because they love C++ as a language, but it, because it's tied to things like game development, things like Unreal Game Engine or custom game engine. So yeah. folks who are interested in making video games are likely going to be doing C++ or C Sharp or maybe some kind of scripting language. So you 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 can't fully detach a language's success from the things that people are using it to do i no, guess you're, that's, that's you're my right
0: point. you're yeah. right yeah and <laughs> so the the kind of the the uh uh Last one is online. This this is one that's really interesting to me. And we only have, we're trying to keep this around 30 minutes. So we're not going to go too long on all this stuff. But uh, the last one was in uh, Stack Overflow. They had a thing around platform or online resources to learn how to code. And before we started this episode, we we were really talking a lot about like how developers learn and conferences versus like online. And this this is really interesting on how they on how they learn. Um, like what we're we're doing right now, podcast is only at like eight percent. So, I either see that as, <laughs> as like, hey, like podcasts can only go up. But we're so still- Khalid,
2: you're, you're screaming your hot takes into the voids that is, yeah, uh, know, that is podcasts. Know. But, but
0: it is, it's interesting that, uh, that 90% of people still learn from technical documentation, mm-hmm. Just getting, going out to the, to the, uh, maker, the, either the organization that makes the tool or or supports the language and learns that way now and then their number two is i will say stack overflow says number two is stack overflow which okay well i'll, I'll that's that's a little yeah whatever but uh but this is online resources and and but i would love to know how many people like go to in person in person uh events versus online and there really isn't a i didn't see a survey around that but like as we've seen in the last five years and it was happening before the pandemic and i think the pandemic just pushed it like put the death nail into it really we saw the end of uh, meetups and user groups and stuff like that and a lot of those groups haven't come back since the pandemic. And we're really seeing a big impact on conferences uh, right now with uh, uh, numbers, attendee numbers are down, and also sponsorship uh, money is, is way down also. And and we're not going to go into all that. But how, do you guys think that that more people are just – deciding to learn on, with online content, than to, to go and meet up in person and learn new things?
2: As always, uh, it depends, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those questions where there will be a lot of opinions. Um, I will say that if, if I look at what's happening with a lot of conferences, some are doing really well, even after the pandemic. Others are struggling a little bit, and I guess it boils down to, um, at JetBrains, we actually did during the pandemic a survey on this exact question. It's also published somewhere. Um, I think it boils down to one of the interviews that I was sitting on um, with with one of the people that we were talking to, who said that um, if there's a conference somewhere in the US, somewhere in a business park where there's nothing around, And there's five sessions I want to attend, and there's three in the same agenda that I do not want to attend. There's no way for me to get out and go shopping or do something else during those three hours. Whereas if you're doing this online, it's easy to walk out for a couple of hours and join back in or even watch a replay a little bit later. So um, I think that is one of the, at least one of the key drivers between going to conferences or watching online.
1: So, are you are you recommending that conferences build like a uh, you know barbed wire fence to keep people in? Like, dead and uh, and uh, and tasers, tasers. That makes a lot of sense. That's how we that's how we increase conference talk attendance. It's perfect.
0: Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone,
1: yeah. everyone gets <laughs> eyelid clamps.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I think we are going through a fundamental change. Is that the the, when I will say when we were kind of coming up through the ranks, when we were new in the community, things like books and conferences and user groups were really the only way to, to get new information. There wasn't as Mm -hmm. much viable way. like YouTube wasn't around and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, easy to get video uh, Mm -hmm. from a cost standpoint or from a like, like uploading and downloading uh, content uh, was still pretty slow, but to, in, today anyone can upload a video to YouTube. Heck, us three guys—we—we—if we can upload a video to YouTube and and people can watch it, then anyone can. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, this takes skill, Chris. Don't I know, I know. I Don't
1: know. diminish our value. <laughs> well, I'm just there. saying anyone you can. So,
0: so so, but I think we're in this problem of there's so <laughs> much online content, it's hard to find yeah, yeah. the good sure. content. <laughs> and so I think the next the next thing will be how how do people find and curate that the really the, the content that they really need to learn, and it's just going to impact. In person uh, events, even more. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I,
1: yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, you, you, there is, I think, a fundamental shift in how people want to learn. But when you look at the top three of technical documentation, let's call Stack Overflow a community forum, right? Because that's what essentially it is. Uh, And blogs, which are kind of like personal perspectives. They still rank in the top three. If you think about it, tech, technical documentation is where people want to go for like a definitive source of truth. That's always good. Stack Overflow is really more about getting an idea of like, what is the community doing? And then blogs are really, for me, more about what is someone I respect and trust think about solving a problem if you think about all three of those things, it's really about individuals, communities, and ultimately trust. Um, Whereas everything really underneath that starts to kind of delve into like content and like there still can be valuable, but to get the information out of them, like how-to videos or online coding sessions, those are like harder to get that immediate value out of those things. You have to really kind of like sit there and watch it and get through yeah. it. So yeah. Although As much, well, to be fair
2: yeah. for that question, I would love to see a breakdown um, based on age range. Cause I, I'm I noticing a shift with, with younger people who are watching more of the videos and blogs are going down there for example. But uh, yeah, I would love to see that breakdown, that specific one for that question by age.
1: Yeah, I mean, right there at 3%, we see TikTok dances are how people would like to learn uh, coding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just joking, folks. That's not really on there. <laughs> Although, but, if, you, if you would like to see Martin do TikTok dances, please comment yeah, below. Please
0: please give a like. Yeah. For every if, like if we get Martin six six
1: 600,000
2: subscribers, I will definitely do this.
0: <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, so we're gonna wrap up, but let's yeah. let's do kind of our final thought. Uh, so, Khalid, what's your final thought about what we've been talking about today?
1: Um, my final thought is like clearly there's a lot of diversity in terms of what problems people are trying to solve, how they're solving those problems. Uh, clearly, in the last like decade we've seen python kind of rise to dominance especially with like the advent of data science and ai so there's that javascript still is very dominant because folks love the web it's a really easy ecosystem to get into so um those things aren't surprising but it also makes me think about the next decade and what's going to be prominent um Yep. So yeah, it's yep. overall those are my thoughts.
0: Martin, uh,
2: I, I was going to echo that sentiment. Um, it is a quote from somewhere, but I don't recall from where. But I can't wait for the future to happen and see what's what will go on with all different languages and so on. It's great to see evolution in languages. It's great to see evolution in how people are learning things. And I'm just curious of uh, whether the current trends that we see in both of the surveys are going to continue or going to change because of ai for example. So yeah. uh let's let's see what the future brings.
0: Yeah, I think we're at a crossroads. So I will echo both. I think I think we have a lot of different ways to learn, probably the most that we've ever had at our disposal. And we have lots of disruption that I think we're going to see over the next year or two. I think uh AI AI will not take away from jobs but they will disrupt jobs and people will have to learn to incorporate AI to to make their jobs more enriching or impactful or whatever but uh but yeah I think I think we are going to see 2024 be interesting from from the community standpoint uh i think there's going to be a lot of things that that we'll we'll look back and like and we're gonna see a lot of things that maybe we were sad about and from because they're going away or they're changing um but change is good right? uh changes changes what i think every community needs and i think to be honest, I think we've we've stagnated in our in some communities for a little while, uh, and I will take this is a hot take. I think we are our .dot NET community is a little stagnant right now. I think Blazor is helping kind of get some new ideas and new things and memo APIs. We just need to to get people to look at it and organizations and leaders and managers to to look at that to see that there's benefits in those also but um uh, yeah any other last last comments
1: no i think that's probably a good place to end it so okay uh, absolutely cheers, cheers and razor pages to everyone out there
0: yeah yeah right yeah. and storage product <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but uh we want to thank everyone Please subscribe to the podcast uh, on wherever you listen to us. Apple, Google, all the different platforms for yeah.
2: For remember six hundred thousands, and I will do a TikTok dance.
0: All of us, we will each do a TikTok dance. Whoa, whoa, I yeah. maybe we like will a do a TikTok dance with his dogs. So, oh, so man. we're gonna put that out there. But <laughs> uh, I'm looking
2: forward. Push the button.
0: Yeah, push the button, and on YouTube. Uh, go and like the like this if you don't want to subscribe at least give us a like so the algorithm will push us out to uh, more people but we have one more episode left before the end of uh this year so we'll look forward to seeing you one more time in 2023 so bye
1: bye, everybody. bye. bye everyone see ya